Hello and welcome to College Football Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. You can find Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish. Fellas, how's it going today? Doing great. We're about to uh, talk about some actual football games. It's been a long time. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) No more uh, previews. We will have some predictions here, of course, and then we're going to talk about actual football going on this weekend. I don't even know that I'm ready because I was like thinking about my Saturday. I'm like, what am I going to be doing on Saturday? And then I was like, I'm going to be sitting my ass in front of my television watching football, of course. That's (laughs) what I'm going to be doing on uh on saturday but um guys i mean have so i just started watching qb1 have you guys seen any of it on netflix at all i watched season one i have not watched this season though i i actually haven't watched any of it before really okay i have not that's a little surprising, but, uh, you know, it's not a replay of a game, so <laughs> it's not that surprising that you haven't seen it. So um, uh, it, it, it goes through QB one goes through like the best quarterbacks in the nation in their last year in college. Mm-hmm. So they had uh, Jake Fromm the first year with um, Tate Martell was in there as well. And uh, yeah, this year, the big dog is Spencer Rattler. I didn't realize Spencer Rattler is a weird looking dude. So yeah. <laughs> that that it's I think it's the blonde eyebrows that make it so like he it looks like he has no eyebrows. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's he's a weird, weird looking dude. So and I'm not, you know, no hate. Uh, he's obviously a great uh quarterback and Yeah, you can spin it. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he he can Scott's definitely putting some material down for when he finally commits and then he goes on and so you can go ahead and use that on Twitter later on. We we, we get this guy. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to insult anyone on Twitter, trust me. I I'm, <laughs> I would I would have to uh I'd have to be more involved in Twitter to do stuff like that. So, uh I I just I I can't I can't bring myself to randomly make fun of someone. Uh you know, I and maybe on group me on uh the the in this league Patreon where we're talking about college football. I'll make fun of him in that room, of course, but that's a little more private. So, but uh today what we have for you is our playoff preview uh these guys have got some hot takes of what's going on we're going to go on this season and then we're going to talk about the two games going on this weekend so let's dive right in nick do you want to talk about your uh playoff tree first do you want to do some hot takes how do you want to start it (laughs) well i'm not i'm not really much of a Hot take come artist on, myself. Come on, let's get one but, hot take uh, from you. <laughs> well, the sort of the the some of the things that I've been looking at. I'm I'm always on the search for like a long shot, or you know maybe uh, when we're running our numbers, who's better uh, in our uh, figures? You know, what do we expect more of maybe than the general consensus? And so uh, one team that that really has me worried and i probably brought this up uh during our pac-12 preview but stanford um the cfb winning edge team strength ratings are much higher on stanford than just about any projection system you're going to see um they are uh, you know it's obviously higher than most people that are relying just on uh either the eye test or looking at the roster and say oh well you know stanford lost so much production coming back uh, from last season. So I'm a little bit worried, but the Cardinals actually the favorite, um, according to our game by game, uh, projections to win the North, to actually beat, uh, Washington. And then, um, that would put them in the PAC 12 title game where they would play Utah on a, um, on a neutral field. We actually would favor Stanford just barely. Uh, the only game that we actually have Stanford as an underdog is at UCF um, and so if that were to go according to plan if they were to win every game that they're favored in they'd go 12 and 1 uh, win the Pac-12 and that's kind of a resume to uh, sneak in maybe at that number four spot into the playoff <laughs> so uh, I, I couldn't quite jump on board with that yet when I was uh, filling out our, our uh, preview uh, final four here and then our first two out. Um, they've got 
a handful of toss-up games where their win probability is between you know 48 percent and 58 percent somewhere in that range so um it's it's very unlikely that stanford wins every coin flip so i actually had washington as my first team out i think they're uh just a safe but stanford uh, and if that were were to play out, I, you know, Washington obviously could sneak into that four spot. Um, but uh, I have them as one of those first two out along with Michigan, who, uh, again, not sure I believe it. We have the Wolverines favored to beat Ohio State uh, just to barely to, to squeak that one out. And we expect them to lose one regular season game. Um but Ohio State, I mean, the, the roster is just loaded as it always is. So would not be shocked at all if the Buckeyes continue um, to uh, rule the Big Ten. But uh, my final four, you know, again, not a not really a hot take guy, not really a super, uh, you know, not going to go too far out on a limb. I've got Georgia, who is favored to win every regular season game. Uh, I think even if they beat uh, or excuse me, even if they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, if they are undefeated in the regular season, they would stick at number four. Uh, would expect them to play uh, Oklahoma, who we also have favored in every game. And then, of course, Clemson and Alabama are our one and two teams. We uh, have Alabama as the slight uh, favorite over Clemson as far as our numbers are concerned, which uh, puts them as the uh, theoretical national champion as far as uh, our team strength ratings go. And, and at this point, I'm not ready to argue. I think Alabama is the toughest team, uh, top to bottom, the strongest roster. And, uh, of course, uh, Nick Saban is a 100-rated head coach in our head coach ratings. He's a legend. And uh, now they have a little bit of added motivation. So hard for me to go against the Crimson Tide at this point. All right, Xavier, let's hear some actual hot takes. So he got some crazy stuff. And remember, after you hear these hot takes, it's at Xavier, X-A-V-I-E-R underscore T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter. Not me. So uh, Xavier, uh, the, the man who called all Texas fans delusional uh, on on uh, wow. Twitter. It, it, wow. it did not go unnoticed, just so you know. So uh, Xavier, meet bus, bus. <laughs> <laughs> right under there well, that's where i'm tossing you so so for me um i've got a couple of teams already on my list of teams to kind of destroy my top four um these teams include syracuse um uh, which i think have the best opportunity of beating clemson this year as i said um in the acc episode i, I love dino babers and their defense is always been an Achilles heel. However, as we highlighted in that episode, the defense seems to be more more so a strength than in previous seasons, which if that's the case, they've always kind of had Clemson's number, at least competing with them head-to-head and uh, winning a game two years ago. So I think Syracuse could be a team that uh, could be the only team that gives Clemson uh, their only loss of the season. Uh, however, talking about that, uh, the other team I have that could blow up my uh, bracket uh, per se would be Texas A&M. Uh, they're the only team that plays three out of the four finalists that I have uh, playing Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson this year. And I think even with a loss to one of these teams, they could sneak in. Um, obviously, would have to be as an SEC champ. But with that gauntlet of a schedule, if they somehow were to pull off wins against Georgia on the road and against Clemson on the road whilst also losing to Alabama or any of those situations, they would have an opportunity to sneak their way in um, and definitely ruin my top four. Uh, but to get to my uh, first three out, I don't have just two. Uh, I want to kiss the grain a little bit. Um, I have Washington as uh, one of my teams, first teams out. I think they will pick up a loss this year. And I think a one-loss Pac-12 team just isn't good enough, does not have a good enough resume, and won't come to the end of the season to uh, buy themselves into the playoff. My other two teams are uh, Michigan State which I think have an amazing opportunity to uh, ruin Michigan season again, um, which I have more faith in them to do that than the Michigan than Michigan going 12-0. and um, I think that a 10, uh, an 11-1 Michigan State team, which I also have them favored over Ohio State, an 11-1 Michigan State team would be the first out. Uh, same with Washington, just not good enough scheduling and not depth in the conference. And then Notre Dame, um, when looking at their schedule, they don't have 
fans that don't like Notre Dame, they don't have the excuse this year to say that they have been or will not be playing a good enough schedule. When you look at Notre Dame's schedule, they go to Georgia on the road. They play USC at home, which should be a, uh, a better team. Michigan on the road. And they finish their season off with Stanford, once again, on the road. But that being the case, I think that uh, any combination of 11-1 and one or 10-2 and two would just see them barely out of the uh, college football playoff this year. Uh, but if they were able to run the table and go 12-0, there would be no gripes from me um, like in previous years. Uh, when we go into our, my top four, I have Georgia uh, as the number one overall seed playing Oklahoma as the uh, fourth seed uh, rematch of a couple of years ago. Um, and I have Alabama as the uh, number three seed playing Clemson as the number two seed. Uh, another rematch, obviously, with the national championship. And I know all of college football is going to groan here. It's going to be Georgia versus Alabama with <laughs> Georgia finally getting over the hump. I know Nick was saying that there's added motivation for Alabama this year after getting mollywopped in the national championship last year. However, Georgia has not one, not two, but three games worth of motivation um, when it comes against Alabama. And I think that this year, finally, Kirby gets over the hump and uh, brings home a championship to the lovely city of Athens. So for for mine, I don't have hot takes like like uh, Xavier does, which I I don't think <laughs> your your takes were uh, you know steaming or anything. So I thought they were they good. weren't as scorching as as I was expecting. Right, yeah. right. So <laughs> but yeah, right, right. We'll get there. I'm sure. Uh, for me, my top two teams out are Florida and Oregon. I think Oregon has got a shot. Uh, I think they're a little bit underrated. They've been getting a lot of really good recruiting classes recently. So. Uh, I think they can put it together with a senior quarterback coming back and a winnable Pac-12. Uh, but I, I think that they're going to be, you know, it all it takes is one loss. So, you know, they, Nick just mentioned uh, Stanford is tough. Utah is tough. Um, it's going to be a hard road to hoe, but I, I think they're going to come up just short. And I think, you know, Florida is a little bit sneaky in the SEC. So I don't necessarily know that they're going to be the first one out. I wouldn't be surprised if this was Georgia either. But uh, I would put Florida as my first team out. I just think Felipe Franks did a lot at the end of last season to kind of gain my trust. So uh, obviously rough, horrible schedule in the SEC. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost three games and weren't even close. So, But I think there's a lot of talent there. For uh, my uh, final four here, I'm going to go Alabama versus Texas as uh, one of the games and Clemson versus Ohio State. As the other game, I, I want to ask you guys, though, let's say that um, and I don't want this to happen, obviously, but if Texas loses to LSU uh, in two weeks, which I mean, that would just wreck this whole thing for me, because I don't know that a one loss Big 12 team can get into the tournament. Um, I think it's much more likely for, uh, you know, a one loss SEC team to get in uh, because of the brutality of the schedule there. But if Texas loses to LSU and let's let's have them drop another weird one like at TCU. Right. But they also lose to Oklahoma. Is Oklahoma's schedule good enough to get them into the playoff? Um, I oh. think uh, if, if Oklahoma. Uh, so, so you're saying if, if uh, Texas loses because, to Oklahoma. Yeah, because okay. Texas yeah. and Iowa State are the only ranked teams on mm -hmm. the Sooner schedule this year. They open up against Houston, which isn't an easy game, but Houston ain't ranked. You know, that's that's not going to matter. Uh, then I think they play, who is this, South Dakota of the deaf and blind here in week two? Um, you know. Ukla. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I, and then UCLA, Texas Tech, Kansas, WVU. It's just not a tough schedule. I just don't know, even if an undefeated team i mean obviously they would have to play in the big 12 championship uh again and that would be a, a bigger game but um I, I don't know if the schedule is tough enough to get them in should they not play a good texas team right if i, I think if they go undefeated it's going to be it's going to be really difficult for any undefeated team to get left out i think you would have to have five undefeated teams and that just doesn't seem uh you know, that, that just doesn't seem likely. I mean, right. it, it's we uh, have a hard enough time getting one or two. I mean, I, I think it's definitely possible that uh, Clemson or Alabama even slips up at some point in the regular season. So I think if Oklahoma gets uh, through unscathed, 
that they wouldn't have to worry, even if they only end up playing, you know, one or two ranked teams the entire time. Um, but, you know, the, the margin for error is uh, very thin. So if they were to, you know, if Oklahoma um, were to slip up and lose, you know, to, I mean, we saw them lose to uh, Iowa State a couple of years ago, right? You know, right. It, things like that could happen. A, a, a game against Baylor the week after uh, playing Iowa State, that could be uh, kind of a, a trappy type game. Baylor, I, I, I'm getting higher and higher on Baylor the more I uh, look into them. So if they were to lose a game like that, one that they're, you know, a, a pretty heavy favorite um that's going to do a lot of damage so i think that's the biggest concern uh, you know like last year if they were to lose to texas in the regular season and beat them in the big 12 championship game i, I think even that um you know probably will be enough if the pac-12 has a two-loss team and if uh you know the the sec championship game loser has two losses i think that might even be enough um to get oklahoma ahead but um the the margin for error is very thin they couldn't probably uh slip up and lose a game as a heavy favorite it, it would need to be one like a texas or or maybe even oklahoma state and the the very end of the year the rivalry game i mean even that might be um i'm not super high on oklahoma state so that might be uh, a big blow but um yeah i, th I think it's got to be to texas or something like that and, and if they get through undefeated i i just don't see a scenario where they get left out i'm going to tell you the only scenario in which an undefeated oklahoma team does not get in um and it would have you're right it'd have to be somewhere in the range of a, of a five under a uh, five undefeated teams, but I think that a one loss A and M team would supplant an undefeated Oklahoma team. Okay. Um, with the with the schedule that A and M has this season, they play they play seven six um, ranked teams, and possibly we don't know how the SEC is going to go this year. South Carolina could be ranked when they play them in November. Um, things of that nature, so they could play almost seven uh, ranked teams this year, and if they could beat Georgia, LSU, and Clemson all on the road. I don't think, and then they lose in the SEC championship game to an undefeated Georgia. That's the only thing that could supplant Oklahoma because I don't think you can penalize A&M at that point. Um, yeah, I think that you would have to see, and I, and I know it's, uh, but that would be the only thing. For Oklahoma, though, the only thing that scares me is exactly what Nick was saying and exactly what you were saying. If Texas doesn't come out firing on all cylinders, it's going to be very tough for Oklahoma to be able to take a loss this year. Right. Um, if Oklahoma, if Texas comes into that game with a loss early on, uh, but to LSU, if it's one loss, I can see it not being that big of a deal. But if right, Texas right. finishes with like three losses, then obviously that game right. doesn't have the same amount of weight. Uh, and I think the the main thing that got me thinking about this is when I was picking these teams, I was just looking at the schedules and all that stuff, and I'm looking at you know Bama and Georgia aren't going to play each other until the SEC championship, if that's the way it breaks. So. I could see Georgia going undefeated, Bama going undefeated, uh, Bama beating Georgia or other way around in the SEC championship. Mm -hmm. Ohio State also goes undefeated, right? So then mm -hmm. you have, are you putting in a one-loss Georgia team that played a much harder schedule, one-loss Bama, one Bama team that played a much harder schedule, or are you putting in an undefeated Oklahoma team? Uh, or Ohio State, like who, who's on the who's on the outs at that point, and that's not five undefeated teams. That's you know, um, mm -hmm. and and that's not that's not even mentioning a Pac-12 team that and could possibly that's what I was gonna go undefeated. Get to. So that's yeah. the that's the only conference I see ever always getting pushed out. It's like they're no matter unless the Pac-12 itself just has amazing depth this year and surprises right. us that uh, an undefeated Washington team is just not gonna cut the mustard against a one-loss SEC team, or even, a, in my opinion, even a one-loss Big Ten team. You, I mean, they, you just have to see the depth, and it would, it would take for Stanford and Oregon to both be ranked, or like last year, Washington State surprising everybody and also being a ranked team for uh, a Pac-12 team to be able to, you know, yeah. kind of push somebody out of there. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just something I was thinking of when I was making this, and for me... 
Uh, I think Bama would beat the crap out of Texas as, as much as I'm a Texas fan. Look, I, I'm not I'm not delusional. Like, I think Texas has a harder schedule. You know, I think uh, that LSU game is going to mean a lot. Uh, but but I think if they beat LSU, then uh, I think they're winning the, you know, they're winning the Big 12. I think they're going to beat Oklahoma twice. And uh, I think they're going to go to the tournament. But I, I do not think that they are ready for a Bama team. So uh, I would say that Bama would beat them. I think Clemson would uh, beat up on Ohio State. They just have too much experience. And I so I would go with Nick, and I put Clemson and Bama in the natty again. Uh, yeah. Well, they're the two best teams. I mean, <laughs> I mean I get it. it's, it's a clear top tier at this right. point. And, and, you know, and obviously this is all – theoretical things could change injuries can right. can you know long season. change things uh tremendously uh so uh, but right now on paper or on spreadsheet these two are just uh, looking at, at our numbers um and running them through oklahoma's projected to go 12 and 0 in the regular season so that means of course they'd be 13 and 0 uh if if everything held and and these rosters stayed the same all season um but even then Clemson at, at number 2 would be uh more than a touchdown favorite over number 3 Oklahoma if those two met on a neutral field so i mean that's that's a big gap between number 2 and number 3 according to our numbers so uh and and it seems that a lot of projection systems are kind of on the the uh in a in a similar place with that it just seems like you know it's alabama clemson and, and everybody else and and obviously things could happen to shake that up but right now as things stand it's it's for me it's it's really hard to imagine uh anybody else doing it but let me ask you guys if, if there's anybody that we haven't mentioned i think xavier uh probably came out with the 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 biggest long shot in Michigan State, um, as a, as a mention in his his uh, first two out, uh, who's somebody just completely out of nowhere who you think could make a run like Michigan State did a few years ago, or, or Washington when they were coming off what a seven win season and then made the playoff? Mm-hmm. Any do we see a situation where anything like that could happen? Somebody that's sort of lurking in the distance. God, for whatever reason, I feel like it's the least likely year for something like that to happen. Yeah. Uh, because and UCF isn't, you know, uh, they were always kind of the, oh, let's see UCF in the tournament, and they've been undefeated for a million years, and then, you know, LSU just pounds them into the ground. Uh, so I, I just I don't see a situation like that. Um, I think the Pac-12 is – I don't think the Pac-12 is the SEC or the Big Ten or even the, the Big 12 – I feel like it's more competitive, though. I feel like they're going to beat up on each other a little bit. So, and the SEC is still so good. So, I just feel like that it's the least likely year to have uh, a crazy team pop out of nowhere. So, I don't really have one. Yeah, there's always for me every year. I think that any team out of the SEC West, not named Alabama, and this year A and M, could always make a run. Um, you know, if LSU wins out, then obviously they're in, you know. Pretty high on LSU. They're yeah. really banged up already, though. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I was thinking about Auburn, but just looking at the team, it'd be really tough for a true freshman to navigate the SEC West in his first season. Um, That's a tough opener, too. They got Oregon. Week right. one. So, you know. I, and, I think Auburn is probably uh, crazily favored in that one, but, well, I don't think Oregon SEC is a bias. joke. So. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, that's that's a little bit of SEC bias. But on top of that, I mean, Oregon is a team that could do it. You know, I know we said uh, an undefeated Pac-12 team wouldn't have the same weight as a one-loss SEC team. But, you know, I think this season we're going to see a lot, a lot of volatility in the schedule. I don't see that many undefeated teams coming out of this year, maybe one or two um, tops. I just think that um, outside of the ACC and the Pac-12, the, the Big 12, Big 10, and, and SEC, all this season, for me, the tops are kind of playing one another, and they're not running away from each other. Um, we see the A&M-Georgia game, and obviously in the Big 10, you have you know Michigan-Ohio State and Michigan State and all those guys, and in the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma, for the first time in my mind, and at least the last two or three seasons, are looking at each other eye and eye. So outside of the Pac-12 and the ACC, I could see a lot of teams go, having one or two losses coming into the season. Um, so an undefeated Pac-12 team at that point would make it in. So 
Yeah, undefeated at, at that point probably carries a pretty mm-hmm. uh, pretty heavy weight, you would yeah. have to think. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, especially if they're high in the rankings to begin. You know, I think that's a big thing, too. You're high in the rankings to begin because, you know, um, when do what did it open up? Week six, the rankings, the, the real rankings. So, um, yeah. If if an Oregon team or you know anyone from the Pac-12 is high there, then all they kind of have to do is wait for the other teams around them to lose a game, you know, to move up. So uh, you're sitting there. Obviously, the uh, the championship games are going to weigh in uh, a little bit more, but you win that game too. I mean, well, like you said, it's tough to leave a team out. I think that the Pac-12 just always gets left out, though. So. Um, they have to be undefeated, and you know Texas and Oklahoma beat each other once apiece. Plus, both have another loss, and uh, you know Ohio State beats Michigan again, but Ohio State has two losses for whatever reason. And then you're looking at an undefeated team from the Pac-12, and you go, "Well, I guess we kind of have to," you know. That's the-, <laughs> <laughs> the committee's like, "Well, all right, I guess they're in this year." Yeah, you know. Let's go see. Let's go see the line on Alabama versus Washington. Oh, so. <laughs> I was at that game. Oh my so. God! What time did you leave? Halftime, third quarter. So Wait, my mom's a Washington alumni, so we stayed for the entire ball game. Oh. And the second half was like watching your second cousin get just beat down by. <laughs> it was. It was rough. Oh, <laughs> that's brutal. Yikes. All right. Well, <laughs> is there anything, uh, any more uh, predictions? Or are we moving on to talk about games that are going to happen this weekend? Yeah, I was just thinking about it. You know, we're, we're spending a lot of time doing theoreticals and what, what could happen come December and all this stuff. But we've got actual football games that uh, will be kicking off in just a couple of days. Zero, as like to call it. All right. Week zero, Nick. Uh, Miami versus Florida. It you know looking at the lines uh, the the Vegas odds it opened at minus seven and a half in Florida's favor fifty and a half has the over the fifty has dropped to between forty seven and forty eight depending on the site and the line has kind of held steady most places at seven and a half to seven is the low so um, I mean what are the factors that you're looking for in this game obviously neutral site in Orlando. But uh, what what do you expect to see from this Miami-Florida game? Well, so anything that we're going to be referencing uh, from this point, uh, our, our patrons at uh, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge will uh, get a computer projection and uh, a final score prediction roughly 24 hours uh, before the games kick off each week. So this one's probably going to be up a little earlier than most, um, but uh, you could expect to see that uh, Friday morning. But we're going to be working off the same uh, information that those predictions are, are uh, coming from. So the big things that we're looking at are um, our roster strength ratings, which is, of course, uh, we take talent projections, uh, the recruiting ratings from 247 Sports. We adjust those based on experience and career production. Uh, That's the biggest piece. That's about 60% of uh, the formula. 30% is our head coach rating. So we look uh, at historical data, how coaches have fared, uh, wins and losses, um, wins and losses against the spread, and then wins and losses against uh, teams that are uh, either more or less um, talented, so to speak. So uh, a lot of other things go in there. And then the last 10% is a um, team uh, team performance rating, which uh, again looks at past performance puts in some uh, play-by-play data, some things, uh, you know, advanced stats, and that's where our, our little bit of uh, special teams fits in there as well. We we don't uh, worry about special teams as much as uh, maybe some other projection systems. So those are the big things you're going to hear us uh, refer to those a lot. Um, and we break everything up by unit um, and position. So, you know, we've got ratings for the quarterbacks, for the offensive line, defensive backs, all that sort of stuff. So be referring to a lot of numbers. Uh, if you're a patron, you'll be able to uh, look at our uh, breakdown of, of all of those things on Friday morning. Uh, but as for this game in particular, um, really the, the story coming in, I guess there are two main stories. One is Jaron Williams uh, making his first start 
uh, behind center there at Miami, the redshirt freshman. Um, and then sort of the new look Hurricanes, you know, they, they obviously have a, a new head coach in Manny Diaz. Um, and we are pretty rough on our ratings on first time, first year head coaches. Um, but, uh, you know, Diaz has, has done a lot of work brought in a lot of transfers and he has familiarity with the roster already having been defensive coordinator the last few years. So those are kind of the, the main storylines on the, on the Miami side and on Florida side, it's, you know, obviously it took a huge step forward under Dan Mullen in the uh, first year of his tenure there. And, you know, was it uh, too much too soon? Have they raised the expectations too much? Are they set for a, a step back or was it, uh, you know, just the, the first step towards becoming that, uh, really that top challenger to Georgia in the East and, and maybe making a run at something bigger uh, in the next year or so. Xavier, what, what, what are your thoughts on Miami versus Florida? It's going to be a slugfest. Um, I think that what we have to look at is the strengths of both teams are definitely on the defensive side of the ball, um, especially if we're going by the numbers. Uh, when you look at Miami, they have one of the top two Defensive lines and linebackers, according to our numbers, um, in the country. And Florida, as well, has an amazing defensive front. I feel sorry for Jaron Williams uh, as a as a redshirt freshman coming into his first ever game. This is probably the worst or one of the worst teams you could be playing for as far as uh, expecting to be composed in the pocket in his first game. Because they're going to want to get after him. And um, when you look at Miami... It's going, for me, at least offensively, they're going to lean on their skill players. Uh, DJ Dallas, Jeff Thomas. This is where your uh, senior lading or at least highly experienced guys are. And that's what Jaron Williams is going to have to lean on very early on in this game and into the fourth quarter. So I'm expecting a lot out of these juniors and seniors on the outside and in the backfield to make up for some of the freshmen's troubles early on. I expect them to get the ball out of his hand as soon as they possibly can um, to almost use the Florida rush against them. Uh, let those guys, let those guys come flying up field and let them play behind them. Um, essentially um, that's going to be the key for Miami in this game. If they have any chance of competing with the Florida team that I think is well-rounded and definitely has a, cha- a chance to challenge for the SEC East. Now, Nick, what are your, um, what's the CFB winning edge pre- uh, predicted line and, uh, how do you think, are, are you in agreement with it and are you, uh, placing some hard earned dollars down on it? <laughs> so, uh, the, uh, um, I've, I've posted some early numbers throughout the summer, uh, to patrons and, and written about it at different places, uh, including majorwager.com and, and fansided.com. And so, uh, our, our projected line, you know, we're not always going to release, uh, uh, here on the podcast for every single game but this one is is pretty you know it's been out there a while we we favor florida by a little more than two touchdowns right now it's 14.74 points which uh, obviously uh is a is a much bigger edge um than most people and and the real reason for that is because uh manny diaz does have a very low head coach rating because he hasn't you know, been a head coach before. And, and so if, if you want to argue with, with that and, and say, all right, well, Diaz was the defensive coordinator, you know, obviously he knows these guys. It's not a, you know, a total rebuild. Miami does have, uh, top 25 talent. I mean, they do rank, um, I think it's 20th in, uh, average two, four, seven sports rating and, and 15th in, uh, roster strength overall. So, uh, this is a very talented roster. So that head coach rating is, is really what's bringing that down. But if we were to go in and and change it and say, okay, fine, well, we'll give Diaz just an FBS average head coach rating. Cause right now he's, he's, uh, down in the like, 108 109 uh range as a, as a first timer so all right we'll give him an average um we'll, we'll bump that 73 up to about an 81 then what are we looking at well we still favor florida by nine um so that is uh a, a pretty heavy lean toward florida um i do feel comfortable with that it, it made me a little bit nervous um a few weeks ago when uh, the line was starting to creep down from seven and a half to seven. Um, but that has 
since uh, come back a bit to to seven and a half. So uh, I think Florida winning by you know ten uh, or maybe uh, two touchdowns. I think that's definitely a possibility. I mean Miami. Um, is uh, uh, they have a lot of questions on the offensive line. They're starting a true freshman at left tackle, a guy who was a uh, fringe two-star, three-star guy. And, you know, maybe he's just a total diamond in the rough, and they are high on him. Uh, Zion Nelson, he's he's uh, listed now at 285 um, in his recruiting profile. I think they have him at like 250 or something like that. So they say he's he's already put on 30 pounds. But, um, you know, anytime you're starting a true freshman, not necessarily um, what you want. I mean, he could end up being a great player. He's athletic and could, you know, continue to, to add strength and, and things like that. But, you know, in his first game and he's lining up against uh, Jabari Zuniga, who's a, a 100 rated player and, and, you know, one of the top defensive linemen in the SEC. Uh, to me, that's not a I think. Florida's going to have a big advantage along the line of scrimmage, um, uh, particularly the uh, Florida defensive line against Miami's offensive line. Um, we know Miami has struggled offensively in the past. Uh, Jaron Williams was highly uh, recruited, did, did come in uh, with a high rating, and perhaps he was uh, a bit underrated uh, throughout most of the summer when it seemed like Tate Martell had the inside track and Nikosi Perry had the most experience and, and Williams was kind of the forgotten guy a lot of the summer, but um, you know, could turn out that, that he's definitely got the highest ceiling and, and could be the right guy. But again, he's, he's making his first start uh, on the other side. You've got Felipe Franks who has been uh, you know, he, he's had his ups and downs throughout his career, but really did come on strong late last season, as you said, Scott. And uh, um, I'm, I'm a believer now. I think Franks uh, can do some really good things on the ground. I think, you know, he's always had a rocket uh, for a right arm, but uh, it seems that he's making some progress as a passer as well. I think he could be maybe even a potential dark horse Heisman uh, contender, especially if Florida does make a run uh, at uh, if Florida does make a run at Georgia in the East. So um, I think, I think Florida's uh, definitely got a, a decided advantage. I see a double digit difference here uh, being very reasonable, even if we were to, um, you know, give Diaz the, the benefit of the doubt. And I do think he's a good hire will be a good long-term fit there. But I think in this first game, uh, I'm pretty confident that the Gators will uh, win and cover. What about you, Xavier? I mean, are you in on the uh, the the line, or are you betting that uh, Florida minus seven and a half? It seems to be at most places. It pains me to say it, obviously, but Florida, <laughs> in my opinion, will definitely cover. They're, in my opinion, they're far and better, far and away better than Miami, at least at the quarterback position right now. As we know it, Felipe Franks is going into what I expect for him to be his best year yet. Uh, we've seen glimpses of it in the past. Um, but he hasn't been able to put it all the way together. I think this is the year he does it. Um, and if he can be consistent enough, as we've seen in some of the uh, games he has had in the past, then this Florida team is going to be very difficult to beat. Uh, to an extent, that's the only problem that Florida has had over the last two, three years anyways. Um, their defense has still been the, the juggernaut that it's always been. Uh, however, the quarterback situation has been shaky uh, for a while now. Yeah, but I... It, I think yeah. I'm definitely taking Florida with the yeah. uh, uh, and giving the points in this game. I don't even think it's close. I would give it like nine out of ten delusional Texas fans <laughs> uh, on, on a scale of one to ten. Here, I think uh, I, I think this is uh, if you're betting one of these games, this is the one I would <laughs> bet. Right? Yeah. The Arizona Hawaii yeah. game is uh, yeah, a toss up, in my opinion. I think I think that one might be way more fun to watch if I'm being honest, but uh, I think this game is going to be, um, uh, they're both going to be great to watch, but I'm excited to see Jaron Williams in his first game. Um, but Florida with the experience and, you know, starting your first game on a neutral site against a brutal opponent, like you said, Xavier, it's just going to be tough for Miami to, to win. How, how if, if Miami were to win, Nick, how, how would how would that come about, do you think? So uh, Miami does have the talent to compete, and, and Xavier touched on it. They've got 
a defensive line that ranks second in the country in our roster strength ratings and, and a linebacker core that ranks second as well. So uh, Miami definitely uh, in a sloppy, low scoring game, which if I were to pick, you know, is this going to be low scoring or are we going to be trading uh, touchdowns? I definitely am going to side more with the sloppy, uh, especially since, you know, looking at the, the weather report for this weekend in Orlando, um, it, it does seem that there's a chance of rain, maybe some thunderstorms, uh, you know, not not sure if it's going to be an all day thing or just a potential, you know, it seems to rain about 15 minutes a day in <laughs> Florida every day, you know, depending on where you are. So not sure exactly if the weather is going to be a factor, but if it is, then that could potentially help Miami. I mean, It might be if we were playing, but <laughs> right. now with those guys are uh, used to it. <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if they're able to uh, run the football effectively, if they're able to move the change consistently, um, then I think Miami could, you know, uh, could could keep it close going into the fourth quarter and then anything could happen. So um, they've got the talent to do it. It's just whether or not, you know, uh, a first time head coach, there's there's things that you can prepare your whole life to be a head coach. But once you're standing there on the sidelines for the first time and you're in charge, you know, you never know exactly how you're going to react. Um, so that is a concern. That is why uh, we're so rough on somebody in that situation as far as our numbers go. Um, so, you know, from from a talent standpoint, these teams are pretty even. I mean, Florida's got top 10 talent. Miami has top 15 to 20 talent. There's really not much of a gap there. Um, but the experience, you know, the, the Florida offensive line is their weakest link, particularly offensively. But Florida has a little bit of a leg up as far as if we're just comparing the two offensive lines. And so when you have uh, one that is in Miami starting, I think, three new starters um, that will all be making their first starts or at least, you know, maybe uh, one has made a couple of starts before. But um, that to me, when you're when you're putting that up and a true freshman and a redshirt freshman up against one of the top uh, front fours in the country and a guy, uh, a defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, who uh, is, is throwing, you know, blitzes that, that, you know, <laughs> you never know who's coming and when and where and, and all of that. So uh, that to me is a matchup in Florida's favor, but, you know, again, if they can get the running game going, if some of the newcomers, you know, a KJ Osborne Buffalo transfer, you know, maybe he uh, can get loose and, and break one and, and take one to the house, uh, you know, after a slant and break a tackle and, and go, you know, if something like that, if they can get a big score uh, early and, and then just sort of try to keep it an ugly, you know, bloody, muddy game uh, the rest of the way. Absolutely. This could be a one possession game, but uh, um I don't see it happening, but I but I think if Miami's in the fourth quarter with a position to win, it's going to be because this is a thirteen to ten type game or a seventeen fourteen type game, something like that. So I think that's really the best chance uh, the Hurricanes have to to cover here or maybe pull out an upset. It should be a fun one to watch. But let's move on to um, uh, we're going to homer out in Nick's favor here uh, <laughs> because it's. Arizona at Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii, one of Nick's favorite teams to watch, like we mentioned. It's the last game of the night, so it kind of means that the night's uh, running down and it's about to be over. This line is very strange because it opened up in Arizona's favor by about 11.5 with the over-under not really opening up, but now that seems to be set around uh, anywhere between 73.5 to 74 if you're looking at Vegas odds. But... There are a couple of books that don't have a line in this one, which uh, I, I'm looking. There are three books that don't have a line. They have an over, which means that they still think that this is going to be a very high-scoring game, and I kind of think, you know, regardless of injuries and stuff. But that usually leads to an injury. I went scouring, Nick. I didn't see anything um, here uh, on as far as injuries go or anything like, like that as to why there wouldn't be a line on some of these. Um, but right now it's Arizona by uh, 11, it seems, is 11 and 11 and a half at a couple spots 
What do you think of Arizona at Hawaii? That's a long way to go. To, you know, you got to travel a long way to Hawaii and also be favored by double digit points. It's a tall task. It is. Yeah. And that that's definitely one of the most unique trips uh, in college football. I mean, Arizona um, is going to have to travel 3000 miles in the air. And, and you know, that's what a, a six hour flight, something like that. So um, it, it's something that uh, these players haven't been through before a trip quite that far. I think in some ways um, having it happen in week zero might even uh, you know, might actually be a bit of a blessing. It, it, you've been looking forward to it all summer, you know, all winter even. Um, so uh, it, it doesn't just sneak up in the middle of a middle of a season that, oh, we've got to go, you know, take this huge trip out, you know, to the Pacific Ocean right. uh, on a, you know, five days notice or whatever. So um, I, I'm not sure if the travel is going to be as much of an issue for Arizona in this particular game, but it, you know, it is a unique experience and, and you never know exactly how it's going to happen. Um, Aloha stadium isn't the most electric atmosphere in the country. Uh, you know, they, they don't sell it out that often, but there has been a big push. I know, um, a, a campaign to, to pack the stadium for this game. Um, the, uh, late Dick Tomey who passed away over the off season, uh, was the head coach at both Hawaii and Arizona. So there's a tie to both, uh, schools there. They, they are planning some things to honor, uh, Dick Tomey during the game. And so I know a lot of the, um, uh, fan base there in Hawaii has really been uh, trying extra hard to uh, make sure that they're going to pack the stadium to its its capacity. Um, and, you know, coming off a successful season, uh, a bowl season for uh, the first time in a few years, that's got to get some people excited. A lot of the, uh, I mean, Hawaii's one of the most uh, experienced teams in the country as far as the number of players that are coming back from last year. Quarterback Cole McDonald put up, put up some big numbers. Um, they've got a couple of really talented uh, receivers, guys that are fun to watch, can make some things happen after uh, the catch. And then the offensive line returns all five starters. So uh, that's always a benefit. Um, defense, Got some questions. Uh, they gave up a lot of yards, a lot of points last year, and they lost their best uh, player, Jelani Tavai, second-round pick of the, the Detroit Lions. So um, it's it's going to be tough, but, uh, you know, they can't can't really argue right now with, with the projection. I am curious as to why it's not listed at the, the Westgate or William Hill or, or what have you, um, because both teams seem to be – uh, pretty healthy. I mean, we don't have any in, uh, entries in our depth charts and injury reports for Hawaii or uh, Arizona at this point. So you no, wouldn't normally pull uh, this game from the board unless, you know, a quarterback injury or something like that was involved. So uh, do stay tuned, I guess. But uh, right now, you know, um, not sure why exactly that's the case, but definitely looking forward to it. think it'll be uh, fun. think it has a chance to be much more high scoring probably than uh, the Miami-Florida matchup. Um, but, uh, yeah, should should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm pretty high personally on Arizona this year, and I know the numbers have uh, been coming around on the Wildcats. They've been creeping up those team strength ratings. They're now knocking on the door of the top 25 um, for whatever reason. From After the, the depth chart was released uh, earlier this week, they added a couple of points um, to their uh, roster strength numbers there. So, uh Arizona could be a surprise team in the South and need to get off on the right foot. Kevin Sumlin's, uh, you know, already a little bit of chatter people were disappointed about last year. So it would be uh, definitely a benefit to him to come out with a good performance here in week zero. I mean, I'm never going to root for a former Aggie, so um, <laughs> I'm way more ASU than U of A, of course. But uh, Xavier, what do you think? Is Hawaii going to win this game by double digits? For Hawaii to win this game, or excuse Cole me, Arizona. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I was gonna say for Hawaii to win this game by double digits, but um, no. Uh, for Arizona to win this game by double digits, something I'm actually looking forward to that uh, Nick didn't mention is I'm actually I actually just got done looking at the weather in Hawaii uh, on Saturday night, and I and one of the things I'm really looking forward to seeing is how good of a condition is Arizona in. Uh, they play in a lot of dry heat. However, the humidity is supposed to be around 70 percent in Hawaii. 
I want to see if that affects the play calling to an extent. First game of the season, let's see how good their conditioning is when it comes to Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor as much as they run the football. Um, Cramping could be an issue, and if it is, that could change the entire game plan uh, for Sumlin and uh, the Wildcats. So I'm kind of looking to see if uh, that that plays a card in uh, some of the play calling and some of the decisions that are made on Saturday. Um, however, Arizona is the favorite by double digits. Uh, I think Nick hit it on the head for obvious reasons. Hawaii's defense is just not great. Um, and, and I'm, I'm being nice if I put it simply, um, according to our numbers, they have one of the worst defenses in the country. Um, and we understand that Hawaii isn't a, a hotbed for recruiting. And it's very tough to, to recruit when you're all the way out in the Pacific ocean, but just, it's going to be the problem for them coming into this game. Uh, I see Khalil Tate and uh, J.J. Taylor definitely bolstering their Heisman dark horse capabilities after this game. Both of them are going to put up, in my opinion, big numbers. Um, and that's not to say uh, that Hawaii won't. I just don't think that they're going to be able to keep up with them. I think Cole McDonald's going to put a lot of people on notice. Ever having an amazing season last year, throwing 36 touchdowns, he's going to continue starting. And you're going to have some of the Cole McDonald, maybe dark horse uh Heisman candidate campaigns after this ball game, uh, but even though he might put up great stats, I just don't see Arizona giving up nearly as many points as their defense is far better than Hawaii's. How many rushing yards for Khalil Tate, Nick? You know that's that's a good question. Um, so I've I've been watching a fair amount of uh, old Arizona games. Uh, I. I I want to see Tate run, obviously. Um, he's one of the most electric players in college football when he's healthy, uh, when he's able to run. And it, it seemed like every time, you know, I, I today I had on uh, the Oregon State game for a little bit, the Utah game for a little bit, um, the uh, Colorado game, uh, Washington State and uh, Oregon. So uh, got got to see different port, different parts of the year. And in each game, there were times when he flashed like, hey, that's the tape we remember from 2017, where it just looks like, you know, he, he drops back. He looks, you know, his first two guys uh, aren't going to be an option or, or maybe he evades a pass rusher or something like that. And he just takes off and he covers so much ground so quickly and you're like, all right, you know, Tate, he's back. He's 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 healthy. He's running. He's gonna uh, he's gonna put up 100 yards on the ground. Uh, but then he gets tackled and he comes up limping. And you're like, oh man, you know, it seemed like he would come into the game uh, and say, all right, he's finally healthy. He's finally healthy. And then sometime mid to late first quarter, he comes out of a pile and and he's favoring that ankle. So uh, he has had the whole off season to. Uh, get back to full strength. So uh, I, for one, am, am hopeful that he will be uh, comfortable running again. Um, I think they uh, are going to uh, probably do more design runs this year, maybe than they did last year when they were trying to protect him a little bit uh, for the ankle. So I think in, until further notice, we could definitely expect Tate to be a true a true dual threat, more like we saw in 2017 than we did most of the year last year. Um, uh, assuming that that ankle he finally has uh, kicked that nagging injury. Um, so I, if, if I were to guess, I'm going to say Tate goes for about 75 yards on the ground, and I think he's got a, a potential to put up 300 yards through the air. I mean, Hawaii really struggled at times uh, stopping the pass. Um, they, they struggled keeping the run uh, <laughs> as well. But um, so, so I wouldn't be shocked if, if uh, J.J. Taylor puts up 150, Tate puts up 75, uh, and they have some success through the air as well. Um, so, uh, long answer to, to your question. I'd say about 75, uh, a hundred would not be out of the realm of the possibility by any means though. How does Miami win this game? Or excuse me, how does uh, Miami can't win this game at all? Not, <laughs> how, how does, how does, uh, Hawaii win this game? Uh, it, in my opinion, Hawaii would win this game. Uh, one, they've got to be able to stop the run or, or at least slow the run. So, um, uh, Arizona, it seems, has has a big mismatch in that area, uh, obviously with Tate and Taylor. Um, but if Miami is somehow able to uh, force Tate to beat them through the air, then they're in a better position. Uh, Tate obviously 
did make some strides as a passer um, against Colorado and against Arizona State last year. He looked uh, really like he'd come uh, a long way since 2017 as a passer. So um, I think he is is there to to you know make plays with his arm, but. Uh, Arizona is almost starting over at the receiver position. They lost, I think, their top four pass catchers from last year. Um, so, you know, they're starting a freshman, uh, Booby Curry. They're starting uh, a guy who was out all last year uh, in Brian Castile. So new faces on uh, on the outside at the receiving core. Um, not exactly sure how those guys are going to respond. Are they going to be able to step up and, and become playmakers right away? Or, you know, uh, are they going to be nervous in, in uh, this first game? Are they going to be like Xavier uh, pointed out, you know, maybe, uh, cramps could be an issue, something like that. So, um, I think if, uh, something is not quite there yet with the receiving core, oh, and another guy failed to mention a a converted quarterback, Jameer Joyner, um, is, uh, in the mix for some playing time at, uh, wide out as well. So if, if things aren't quite ready to mesh there, uh, Hawaii could keep this close by uh, limiting the running game somehow, some way, and, and forcing uh, Tate and his new receivers to beat them through the air. And at that point, you know, Hawaii can, can swap touchdowns with just about anybody. It's just whether or not they can get some stops. So if the defense uh, does improve, it's, it's an experienced unit, and the defensive line is the strength of that unit. So um, if they're able to, to win a few battles up front, uh, that'll definitely help them keep it close. Uh, a shootout, I think, would, uh, you know, Hawaii's pretty comfortable in that situation. They are going to get their yards. They are going to get their points probably. Um, but the, the biggest key would be trying to slow down that rushing attack. All right. I mean, how, how confident are you in this line, Xavier? 11, 11 and a half. Um, I, are you betting I, on I, that? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, if I wasn't a broke college student, I'd put money on that right away. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, Nick hit it right on the head. Is You just can't trust the defense of Hawaii. And the the unfortunate thing about the team that they're playing is that Arizona is a, is very run heavy. And when that's the case, that means they'll keep McDonald and that high-powered offense on the bench. And if, you know, Arizona can rattle off some six, seven-minute drives – and keep that high-powered offense on the bench, then swapping touchdowns is not going to be nearly as easy as uh, as we think. Uh, so I just, you know, with lack of trust in Hawaii's defense, I would bet all over that 11 and a half. Uh, so, yeah, that, that that's just the gist of it. All right. Uh, anything else to add on uh, these two games this weekend, Nick? Yes. I, <laughs> I didn't get to it. Um, in the Miami game, I want to know what you guys think happens if uh jared williams comes out and doesn't play well is there a possibility that we see another quarterback maybe nikosi perry yeah maybe even tate martell yeah we saw this we saw this last year with the you know uh the musical chairs at quarterback for sure yeah if williams looks real bad i think they go right to perry i don't think they're going to martell at all i think it's going to (laughs) be and i really don't and it's not even like to to be honest, I was going to jokingly ask you guys, you know, over under snaps at wideout for Martell. I don't think he's getting one. So, um, but um, I, I feel like they would immediately go to Perry if Williams just looks terrible for the first two quarters and they're down two or three touchdowns. I think they'd make no hesitation to do that because it was an open job anyway. Right, Nick? True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't name a starter until uh, just a few days ago. So it, it, in theory, it was a tight race the whole way, and it seemed to be, a, you know, a legitimate three-way race, uh, even if it does seem that Martell maybe came in third. Um, I, you know, every time I watch Martell, uh, seen him, you know, in, in just little bits here and there at Ohio State and in the spring game a couple of years ago, um, he just, when he's got the ball in his hands, he, he is electric. I mean, he, he as a runner... Uh, is a weapon. So I I think there's a chance we see Martell in uh, you know a, a goal line package or um, something like that. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get you know three or four or five snaps just 
in in certain spots and in, in a certain package or in certain situations closer to the goal line because i think if you do have a weapon like that uh it, it makes sense to use him i am intrigued to see uh if he's able to make it work at another position it seems like um you know uh, what we've read today that that he's open to really giving receiver a try um you know i, I again when you get the ball in his hands, he can do some damage. So uh, he could have a, an opportunity to help this team eventually in that role. Um, when a guy's only practicing at, at the receiver spot for uh, three or four days, though, it's it's hard to really get him incorporated into the game plan. So I don't see him making much of an impact there yet, but you know, maybe in a few weeks if, if he really does take to it. Um, but uh, if Williams struggles... Um, you know, on, on one hand, you don't necessarily want to, uh, recreate the situation you had last year. Um, but you know, obviously the, the, the storyline for a lot of, uh, the year has been quarterback was an issue. Offense was an issue. And if we're seeing sort of the same old thing, three and outs, not, you know, connecting in the passing game and things like that, it definitely would be a temptation uh, to, to try something else. And, um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see another quarterback. Uh, but, um, I think Diaz will be hesitant to do it because I don't think he wants to, in his first game, um, get the fan base talking again about, Oh, well here, you know, here we go again with these quarterbacks. So, um, obviously he's hoping Williams doesn't just, uh, come out, you know, ice cold, but, um, if he does, he'll be tempted, but, but I think he'll try his best to restrain himself. And I think if he does, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, you know, not start him the next week, even if the Yankees right. in this game, because this is a tough game, you know, the, the, this is a tough one to be your first start. So I'm, I'm absolutely with you. And I think who do they play week two, uh, UNC. Yeah. That's another, uh, it's it's not easy, but it's a much easier game than Florida. So right. uh, I think that they they could pull him, but he would have to look pitiful, you know, two to three interceptions in the first half and they haven't scored, you know, and uh, Florida is pounding them 21 zip, 28 zip, something like that. I think that's where you do it. I think if it's somewhat close, if it, if it is a low scoring game, then I don't think they pull him. I think they go out there and let him uh, let him try and earn it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I agree. They want to win. I don't think they should expect to win, but uh, <laughs> that, that's going to be everything we got for week zero. Week one coming up next week. Going to be a lot of fun. Way more games to go over, so uh, we're going to be powering through them. But, Nick, why don't you tell everyone about the Patreon? Absolutely. Uh, touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, if you want to uh, support the work we do with all of our player ratings, our coach ratings, things like that, um, please join us at patreon.com slash CFB winning edge. Uh, we've had some great new patrons join us, uh, just in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, we very much appreciate that. It, it helps us to, um, you know, help get some, uh, freelancers to, to help us with some of the, uh, data entry work that we're working on and, and, uh, help us work toward, uh, creating more and better content for you all. And, and it also helps us to, uh, fund what we're trying to do here with the podcast and, and help keep this free. Uh, I, for one, don't really want to read, um, you know, uh, ads about suits and, uh, erectile dysfunction and, and things like that. So, uh, by, by supporting us on Patreon, you do help us, uh, stay ad free. Um, and, uh, we really do appreciate that. And, and we do, uh, offer a lot of good things as well. Over 11,000 individual player ratings. We've got head coach ratings for all 130. Uh, we've got coordinator ratings for both our OCs and DCs. Um, if you, uh, join us, at uh, tier three, we actually have uh, access to nine sets of power ratings, and I sound like uh, that magazine guy when I when I talk about that. But um, we we do you know run different weights. Uh, I've I've said before you know roster strength is sixty percent. Well, we we in certain spots say well what if it's sixty five percent or what if it's fifty five percent. So we do run a, a, a 
nine different sets of, of power ratings to really see uh, how these games stack up in a variety of ways. So if you want to join us and, and get access to those, uh, get point spread projections for every game all season, uh, you can join us there at Tier 3. Uh, and if you just want uh, you know, some weekly picks, if you want to see uh, this chart that we've been working off, today that our patrons are going to get on on uh friday you can join us at tier one for just five bucks a month so uh please do uh consider supporting us we, we very much appreciate it and for those of you that have already uh subscribed thank you very much and we look forward to bringing you great content all year all oh. right oh go ahead before we go i have one question and I, and I really hope you guys have both done this who in here has tried the popeye's chicken sandwich you know what <laughs> i went to popeye's today that uh, I I but I didn't get the sandwich. I got a regular <sighs> three piece. So oh come I'm on! I'm sorry. I didn't know we were doing reports on the sandwich. I, I wanted <laughs> you guys an honest opinion about its comparison to Chick Fil A. <sighs> so so I recently moved. This time last year, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee. So I would have had an answer for you then. Uh, but uh, <laughs> in December, I moved to uh, beautiful Concord, New Hampshire, yeah. uh, here in New England, and they I don't, don't know where fast the Popeyes there, right? is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the closest Popeyes might be uh, Hartsfield Jackson Airport uh, was oh, was the last one I went to. So I uh, have not tried it yet. Uh, as as uh, born and bred Atlanta native, I uh, am partial to. Uh, chick-fil-a sandwich so it, it would be difficult to uh to top but i've heard a lot of good things i you know next time i'm uh at hartsfield i'll i'll, I'll try it out if I have it at the airport. <laughs> well if the d-backs want a game this week I'll, I'll try and go back and and get yes. the sandwich so uh <laughs> you know uh not no guarantee of course but uh <laughs> we'll we'll see if it happens but that's going to be it for us for this week remember you can find us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, at CFB Winning Edge, and at Xavier underscore Trish. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.